What did you think of Fergie's anthem? It's terrible. I can do actually a really amazing impression of her impression. It was terrible. It was Bjork. No. It was Bjork. Don't insult Bjork. Meets, like that. No, no, no. It, like her dare. references were Don't like. Don't you dare. Marilyn Monroe like doing Happy Birthday, Mr. Yeah. President, with a little Bjork in the middle. It was. I won't allow you to do that to me. It was. Fergie is no Bjork. No, I love Bjork. I'm just saying she channeled her. Oh, sorry. And then. No. Well, isn't this exciting? Another installment of Game Theory and Money. Even though we are in the offseason, uh, we're a week away, actually, from heading out to Indianapolis to cover the NFL Scouting Combine, something we both enjoy doing every single year as uh, we both really enjoy the draft. And of all the things associated with the draft, the All-Star Games, the Pro Days, uh, the individual workouts, the Combine is certainly the uh, the brightest and the greatest event that uh, we take in because it's everybody in one place, every team, every coach, every scout, every front office executive. Uh, Cynthia Freeland sits right across from me. You can follow her on Twitter at C Freeland. That's F-R-E-L-U-N-D. And Cynthia, I know you've been going for a few years. I think this is my seventh or eighth year in a row um, covering the Combine for NFL.com and NFL Network. And that is something that we definitely, because it's a weird schedule here in the offseason, but know that we will be doing a podcast next week, which is kind of your combined primer is uh, is what we're going to be doing. But today, Cynthia, uh, we're going to use your big brain and your individual models uh, that are unique to you to kind of project what this free agency period that begins, I believe it's March 14th. It um, High day. With, there you go. With so, so 4 p.m. Eastern time, uh, 1 p.m. Pacific, free agency opens. And what's going to happen? Happy with these New quarterbacks? Year! Happy New Year to quarterbacks! Happy New Football Year! Exactly! <laughs> happy Happy New uh, Happy New 2018 for this is when the official, to some degree, even though some players have been uh, have been moved and released, uh, but designations, all of those sort of things. The the football season calendar year begins on March 14th. So let's get into um, the quarterbacks. We'll do that in a second. But also, you had a chance to catch up with Beth Mowens, who does play by play. Uh, for football, was actually on the call for the for opening. Everything. For yeah, football, for everything. For basketball, for softball, right. for literally everything. You know her voice. She is the. Uh, watch sports. Yes, at all. she is one of the best in the business and was able to be part of that Monday Night Football contest between the Chargers and Broncos to open the 2017 season. First time a female voice was ever on the call. Um, so a trailblazer and somebody who is very likable, has great stories, has been doing this for a long time, not to mention advice for all of you that are looking to get into the business. So you had a chance to catch up with her. We'll play that interview. But why don't we uh, just get right into it and, Let's do it and start this offseason coverage with the most. And, and this isn't something that we would perhaps do every single season. This is just a weird year. You do not get a quarterback like Kirk Cousins that hits unrestricted free agency still in the heart of the prime of his career, which makes this when you have the amount of teams that are in need of a quarterback um, and look, cap space is different. I think for maybe people that, that listen to the pod um, and jump in here that, that follow, you know, a lot of other sports, cap space in the NFL is different. Um, you no can, luxury tax yeah, for can, us. <laughs> well, and you can sign a guy and you can move money around later. You can restructure right. deals, which you can't do in the NBA or MLB. You cannot tear up a guaranteed contract. And that's kind of where things in the NFL are a little bit more exciting, you know, regardless of your team. And if you're looking up the cap space available, don't worry about it. If the Cardinals don't have the $25 million a year to give to the Kirk, to Kirk Cousins, they can figure it out. They can restructure deals, move some money around, and make it work so everybody 
is a player for probably the most sought-after free agent um, that we've seen, I'm going to say maybe since Reggie White when he went to the Green Bay Packers. Because we have not, you know, remember Drew Brees was coming off, you know, having six anchors put in his shoulder. I mean, that's why Nick Saban and the Dolphins walked away uh, and went with Dante Culpepper and really only had one legitimate offer, and that was from the Saints. So I can't really think of a time when someone was this, I guess, in Dominican Sue to some degree. I was just thinking about Sue, but I don't know if there was a huge marketplace he for was him. No I think Reggie it was just White. like, gulp. You know, yeah. like they gobble him up and just. Yeah, I guess big. Sue was kind of in his prime and was arguably the number one defensive tackle in the NFL. So I guess this is comparable. We um, also, there's there's two things that are, are at play here. The first is like as we're sitting here recording it, um, you can start. Teams will start. We just saw Doug Martin get cut. You can start to see the franchise tags and transition tags be placed on players from now until I believe it's March sixth. So from now until then, you'll see some like you know some of the chess pieces get moved around. Then when you talk about the cap space stuff. The one thing that is really, really key, and it probably won't come in with this Kirk Cousins note, but the franchise tag. So a team must pay that player in this year. That's pretty much the only thing they, you know, yes, you can, you know, if you're, if you can shuffle things around after franchise tagging someone because the idea is that you gives you some time to negotiate a right. long-term deal. You don't allow them to hit unrestricted free agency. Just don't allow them to. They so, can tag Lev Bell and still work on a deal and get it sorted out so they don't have to pay him all that tag money in a single <laughs> Case season. Keenum right. and still work on a deal to figure things out, even if it doesn't look like they have a ton of cap space. So realistically, you have to do the opportunity analysis as how much you're going to get paid quarterback wise and kind of fit so there are teams with more cap space like the Browns with 108 million around there which is ridiculous and then there are teams that don't have a lot at all in fact I think at this current moment the Eagles are like in the whole 10 million something like that so you know there's a huge range but again remember you can move the chess pieces around and you you used uh, an economics term there that I think when you say it, you just breeze by it because it's second nature to you. But for people that are listening, when you say opportunity analysis, you also think about opportunity cost. That's right. And that means what else you could do with that money. Correct. If you're going to franchise Case Keenum for $24 million a year, million. what else can you do to upgrade your team with that $24 million if the sunk cost isn't $24 million for a single player Case Keenum? So, so always think about three things. Think about the market for the position. And there is some cool market dynamic here because if you look at Tom Brady not taking a max contract, that's a first market mover. And then the second is in 2011, we had the rookie pay scale be enacted, which changed like the Matthew Stafford, Sam Bradford, mega deals before they had even played one down of football into a structured contract where, yes, quarterbacks did get paid. They were drafted quickly or you know, in the first five or ten picks, do get paid more in terms of signing bonus, but it's not $100 million, something debilitating for a team. So you're actually seeing now the back end of that six, seven years later as we're starting to see these second and third contracts kind of come up for rookies who've been drafted since 2011. And the interesting thing for Kirk Cousins, even though he is a completely different player, uh, if you are to watch the tape and the way he plays the position, statistically speaking, uh, resume-wise, He's a very similar, you know, has a very similar, almost identical resume to Matt Stafford, who just became the highest paid player in the NFL. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo is higher on an annual basis, which then also PS, controls PS. the market because... We're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do some real talk on this okay. pod. Um, that contract, there are some really amazing marketing tricks that we all do, right? Like, you've seen marketing tricks. We watch commercials. We know what's going on. Sure. 
I'm like, look at the guaranteed number and then look at which years that guarantee comes in. And you're going to see the Jimmy Garoppolo contract isn't quite as blockbustery as it sounds and splashy. It's a great contract. Yeah, he's going to make 70 over $70 million. Right. He's but guaranteed it's like 48 is like the bare minimum he's going to make. And then like to get to that ridiculous number that, you know, I guess my point is like chill. Like it's not it's not going to hamstring the, the look, 49ers I, in any way. My standard position um, for as long as I've been doing this is for whatever reason fans freak out over money, and I always say the same thing, which is you are paid whatever somebody is willing to. Yes. Pay. That, that or, or you are worth. I'm sorry, you are worth whatever somebody is willing to pay you. That is your worth because it does not matter if 31 You're also other paid teams. Whatever somebody is willing exactly. to pay you. So both uh, things that's, are that's true. Uh, <laughs> it, it does not matter what 31 other teams were willing to give you. Whatever that one that did is what your league worth is, and See? that's. Just the reality Sue. of it. Exactly. See, Sue, right? Exactly. No, I don't know how many other teams are willing now, to do it. It doesn't matter. Like you said. It doesn't matter. They, they may not realize all of that money. It right. may be a deal that hamstrings teams because they've screwed up in free agency. I don't think this te- this deal hamstrings hamstrings the 49 Oh, heck no. They had, what, 70-plus million dollars in But it's in, also in structured space. more favorably for the team than it would, you know, like, listen, a tweet, now we get it 280 characters or whatever, but, like, it's only 280 characters. Like, you cannot – accurately portray the dynamics of like such a complicated contract. I guess what I'm getting at here is Kirk Cousins is going to make a lot of money. Kirk Cousins is going to make a lot of money. He is going to make a lot of money. He's going to make Matt Stafford money. It's very likely that a team because of multiple yeah that's what I mean multiple bidders that are interested in his services are going to compete for those services meaning your entry point is probably here's my stats here's his stats here's my playoff record here's his playoff record here's my record in the regular season here's his that's what I want that's our starting point if you're not interested in it I have six other teams that are. So let me know where you stand. He has true leverage. He does. True Um, leverage. When you have this many. So uh, before we get into what your – and I guess the best way for us to approach this by having you here, Cynthia, is you have analytics where you can plug Kirk Cousins into each of these teams with their rosters, with their weapons available. We don't know exactly what they'll be. They're going to be tweaked. Some players are going to come in. Some players are going to go out. Draft picks are going to come in. You know, unrestricted free agents are going to go out. But at least it gives us a bit of a thumbnail over where Kirk um, where Kirk Cousins really fits in and could perhaps provide the best jump for a team. Think about it like you think about your resume or my resume. Mine's so, terrible. <laughs> correct. Exactly. I'm so worried about your resume. So first of all, just because you have you know the education and you have like an experience doing a certain job, it kind of helps someone understand what you what isn't easier like it'd be easier for the lions to come hire you to do play-by-play because you already have a resume real built of exactly what you can do i've done an inordinate amount of games at ford field for whatever reason (laughs) ford field uh, before i got the charger job was like a second home it really was i would be there at least three times a year calling lions games i feel like that's a that's like a great thing it was i really enjoyed it actually direct flight from la the lions (laughs) folks are super nice uh wide open press box with a big concourse and ample uh bathrooms available if you've got to sprint out during a two-minute commercial and sprint back in. That's what I look for. Perfect. Uh, yes, exactly. But see, the point is, is like other people in the world could probably do play-by-play, but it's easier for someone to understand you can do play-by-play because we have it on film. Same thing for these quarterbacks. And then if you map in offensive coordinators, position coaches, and all the different dynamics, front office dynamics, people who know each other, you can start to see tendencies. And for Kirk Cousins, I've seen something pretty keen here, and it comes to a team where, I, I mean, I don't know if a ton of people are talking about this, but hey, wait, wait, don't don't oh, spoil don't it yet it because okay. I, I want to make sure that okay. I have this, uh, that I have the teams listed out that that, that are, are applicable. Yep. Um, 
Denver's obvious. That's been the most heat Gorgeous. that we've Sunshine, heard. Sunshine State. Yeah, everybody has talked about uh, Denver as the most obvious landing spot for him. To Arizona. Um, and I think both of those teams, because of what they have or and what they have. lack, you right. know what I mean? If right. you were to plug in a quarterback to the Denver Broncos, when you think about that defense, which continued to operate at a very high level, makes sense. Arizona ravaged by injuries. Yeah, you look at their record and you look they were never really blown out in any games. It is remarkable that that team was able to put together the season they were. Back and they have Larry Fitzgerald back and yes, very good offensive line. I mean, the left side of that offensive line is solid. Yes, the right could. I would say Arizona (laughs) offensive line wise is in a much better position than Denver. Denver is a mess from left or anyway. Uh, Minnesota because they have three unrestricted free agents. Mm-hmm. Don't know with Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford, all unrestricted free agents. Um, Buffalo, which clearly is going to move on from Tyrod Taylor. At least those are the signals they're kind of sending us. Uh, we have a, I think we have a note on that later. Yeah, okay. okay. The New York Jets <laughs> um, and the Cleveland Browns. And then beyond that, I think your two wild cards are Jacksonville. Whether or not that $19 million is guaranteed for Blake because of this wrist surgery. If it's not, are they interested in moving on from him or not? Um, can they move on from him or not? And Miami, um, because Ryan Tannehill is injured yet again, as accomplished as he's been and, and as solid as he's been. I think I would just not accomplished. I would say he's a solid quarterback when he's been on the field, but health has continued to dog him. So that's kind of what I have. I don't, I don't think there's anything I'm missing there. There's been, a, I feel like if you like listen to sports radio, which don't do that, <laughs> um, I feel like. The predominant theme is, you know, some version of Cousins to the Browns. I think that's what I've heard the most. Well, Joe Thomas is. Well, uh, I love Joe Thomas. I mean, and listen, he, he is makes, certainly. He actually he makes really compelling cases. I'm with talk. Joe. I think like, Cousins to the. If I were if I were John Dorsey, I would absolutely explore that because if you think Kirk Cousins has got five years left, six years left at 28, 29 years old, and that's the prime of his career. And you can now use, what do they have, seven picks in the top 70? I think it's like more like 35. It makes sense. Yeah, right? I mean, it <laughs> makes sense to plug holes through the draft, be it offensive lineman, defense. I mean, getting Bradley Chubb opposite, Miles Garrett, whatever you can then do with that number one pick, auction it off, trade down a few spots. Anyway, I think it makes more sense than maybe some people are giving it, you know, credence I, to. I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't know if Kirk Cousins wants to go to Cleveland. Um, <laughs> G- given the options available, <laughs> if all m- money being equal, I think I'd be a little bit more interested in going somewhere else. Well, yeah, than except the for Cleveland the fact, I guess my, I guess if money's equal and you're going to a place like where I'm suggesting is going, you do have to take in, you know, state income tax into consideration. That could okay. make a difference in his salary. <laughs> Which would make Jacksonville, Miami, a yeah. lot more intriguing. <laughs> more palatable. When, when, when you're yeah. talking about that much money. Yeah, um, absolutely. Especially when it comes to uh, – yeah, I guess I guess that would be it because you've got the state of Washington, Texas, Florida. So there you go. Um, where you have anyway. <laughs> so let's get to it. With all that now on the table, um, how do you want to do this? Where you so, think he's going to sign, or where the place that increases their win total? Now again, it's you know Thursday as of right now. Given the personnel configurations, we haven't seen a lot of movement yet. If you look to see where he adds the most wins against a, you know whatever their their ceiling is or in this case kind of maintains, the best fit strategically is actually the Vikings. Part of this becomes like looking into see like what Kirk Cousins Which does Which is well. interesting because Case Keenum had a great year. Well, 
Correct. I guess my point is, is I deleted of those places that you named, I deleted their current quarterback. And now obviously he would jump the win total in a different city that, you know, like Cleveland, you have an infinite increase if they win one game. Right. So that's it's not like that. It's like where do his skill sets really closely align with the personnel that they currently have? And the, so to some degree, it's, hey, Minnesota made the conference finals uh, or the conference championship like, game. You feel like he's going to be able to get it back there. And it's like deep passing. That's something, a hallmark of Kirk Cousins. And then you actually short passing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into a little note here about that. Short passing. He didn't do it very well this past year, but deep and short both were hindered by a ton of drops. So in, when you kind of look at over the, the course of Kirk Cousins' career and his ability to play under pressure, top 10 performance against under pressure, against pressure throughout his career that kind of thing maps well to I mean the Vikings um, Case Keenum and Sam Bradford and you know anyone else that had played were under pressure you know top five in the league even though their O-line was improved but you know it's kind of like what are his you know greatest strengths where would Kirk Cousins have the most you know success if it were pure fit and you didn't factor in any of those other things yeah I think the the thing to remember too is you know, what he had to work with this past year. I mean, he lost a lot. When you yes. consider the injury to Jordan Reed, the injuries at the running back position. I was about to say, which running back do you want to talk about? It, right. You know, the fact that, um, I mean, look, Jamison Crowder didn't quite have the Jamison Crowder season. Terrell Pryor never fit in. Where was Terrell Pryor? Yeah, I mean, Josh Doxson had, like, one good game. You know, when you think about, you know, that's that's the, the that's the set of skill positions that he's working with. And now if you plug him into Minnesota, Kirk Cousins gets Stephon Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, right. if he comes right. back. I mean, it, it is a dramatic upgrade. So one of the things, so like one of the stats here that really jumped off. So short passes were typically so. So here's my kind of benchmark. Last year, we actually see, saw about 100 passing attempts different from the top of the league to bottom, which is kind of amazing. Uh, but if you look over the past three years and kind of how passing breaks down, typically, let's use the number 540 attempts as sort of an average for an above-average quarterback. So, you know, anyone who's a QB 20 or above, let's think of 540 passing attempts as kind of the right number. And about half of those come 1 to 10-yard passes. Right. So that's about, you know, something like 340 completions is the average for one to 10 yards. So about 540, about 340. Let's, you know, we're rounding here, but but that's kind of close. Cousins last year was right on those averages. 48 percent of his attempts and 52 percent of his completions were one to 10 yards in the past years. Cousins is actually over indexed. So usually he's like around 60 to 65 percent in each one. So 60 percent of his attempts come in that short passing range with seven. Like 65, you know, 7% increase overall, you know, coming from the completion. So the, my point is, is if you look at those top 20 quarterbacks and you see how, what percentage of their passes come from short passing, use that 50% benchmark and then realize that Kirk Cousins is actually, even though we think of him as just a deep passer, he actually uses those one to 10 yard passes in lieu of a running game to, you know, supplement the running game. It's kind of more, that was a sneaky little stat that I found in this past year. He wasn't able to execute that. Yeah, and I guess that you know that's when you have to figure in and factor in uh, personnel, yep. you know, and and what's available to him versus what was. I also available went back and watched him. every single one though, and they weren't they weren't great passes. Like, yeah, it was it was shocking, kind of shocking, but yeah. <laughs> I just I felt like he was plagued by a ton of drops. Hundred uh, percent, he was this year. If and you readjust his deep ball passing, I mean. it goes up by ten percent, ten percent for drops that weren't his fault. Adam Thielen got good hands. Kyle Rudolph have good hands. Heard of him. Does uh, Stephon Diggs have good hands? Yeah. I'm pretty pretty sure. Turns out that way. So you want to know where he's going to go, though? Yeah. Here's my hot take. Okay. Okay. We talked about the Vikings a lot. What about the Jets? Is anyone – I mean, they're obviously in the market. And Jeremy Bates, who's our offensive coordinator, 
Guess who he worked for? Who did he work for? Well, first he worked for John Gruden in the early 2000s. What kind of offense does John Gruden run? Gruden run, same kind as Kirk Cousins. Yeah, West Coast. Right. He's also a Kyle Shanahan person. Kyle Shanahan disciple. You know who Kyle Shanahan has coached? Kirk Cousins. Right. Yeah. No, that I know, but what what are we getting at here? Jeremy Bates worked with Kyle Shanahan? Uh, he's a disciple of Kyle Shanahan, and he's a John Gruden. He also okay. he, he's worked with both of them, and those are the type of fit and style things that Jerry Bates, who's now the offensive, like Todd Bowles, is a defensive minded coach. Right. So so he lets Jeremy Bates run the offense. Yeah, yours. like Go some some coaches are offensive coaches, so you're not going to tell like you know those coaches who what to do with their quarterback. But Jeremy Bates, offensive coordinator for the Jets, I think he probably. It's going to make a strong to very strong play. Man, that's tough. I'm just thinking, if I'm Kirk Cousins, do I really want to go into a division? Although Tom Brady's 40, going on 41. He's probably at the end of the line. I'm trying to think of... Whose defense are you scared of? Because you're not playing against Tom Brady. No, you're right. No, I'm talking about winning the division, which, you know, that's that's the goal going in for every team. Of course. Win your division, right? That's a guaranteed ticket into the playoffs. So... How do you feel about winning the division moving forward for the next five years in the prime of your career and dealing with the NF, the AFC East um, with what you have? And and obviously they have a top – I don't know what they are. They're picking sixth, I think. So, you know, Calvin Ridley could be their number one receiver. Robbie Anderson's got some issues this offseason again, um, and he was their best receiver last year. Um, your other receivers, Quincy Nunwa, who was hurt. I like Austin, Safarian Jenkins. They want to bring him back. Do they really have a runner? Um you know, is it Bilal Pal? Is man, and that old line was not great. But like you said, remember what we saw in the Super Bowl? How did Nick Foles get past the Patriots? Right, shorter passes. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, like, and those are the kind of sneaky things where Kirk Cousins and you know that sneaky stat about him. We all think about him deep, and yes, he is a deep passer. A great. Yeah, you one. think about where the Jets were early in the season before McCown got hurt. I mean, they were right in the mix. You know, they were sitting in one of those wild card spots with that defense. McCown's that, a great that, like bridge quarterback. Yeah, no, I right. look he. That's why you hear the Jets players say, "We want him back." You know, yeah. when when he was here, things were humming and the <laughs> offense was was operating, even with you know the like I said, as I'm detailing the lack of of options. But he, I mean, he made Jermaine Curse a legitimate receiver who was just a throw-in in that deal. Um, but you could you could ultimately, with the cap space that the Jets have and the draft equity. You could create a scenario where you get Kirk Cousins and you get, like, this isn't a great wide receiver free agent class in terms of depth. There's not a ton out there. But you could probably get one of those, those guys that are Sammy up. Watkins. Allen Robinson. or Yeah, Allen Robinson or Alshon Jeffrey, who was on a one-year Probably deal. not getting Jarvis Landry from divisional opponent, but, you know, like. <laughs> Never know. I mean, if he's just if he's just going into, is he restricted free agent or is he going? I, I think remember. he's going into unrestricted free agency. I think he's on. So you know, you want Jarvis Landry? Get Jarvis. That that seems like someone who would thrive. Jarvis Landry's going to thrive with anyone. I mean, the guy just catches a ton of freaking balls. Um, but yeah, I guess it makes sense. It, I mean, of all the of of all the options out there, and is I'm kind of going through it again as I'm staring at the at the list. Um, Denver worries me a little bit just because think about navigating that division, um, you know, with the Chargers, 
with the Raiders, you know, with the Chiefs. I have uh, an incredible pass rusher study that shows that there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance to like how you figure it out. But that two pass rusher thing that we talked about all year, I've been really digging into that this so far this offseason, which has been like five minutes. But what I really learned is it kind of think about your your passer rating on intermediate passes which is kind of like the hardest kind of ones right and outside the numbers passes think of that number as going down by like almost 20 passer rating right. points that's ridiculous like that's that's like a that's a that's a very huge deal when you're passer rating on average not every game but you know when you have two pass rushers minus 20 in both of those that's a good it's you know and as you mentioned you're not playing Tom Brady you're playing those defenses so if we go through all the divisions um, do you really want to contend with the NFC West if you go to Arizona and Aaron Donald and that Rams defense do you want to contend with you know the Seahawks defense if you still believe Michael Bennett and that crew uh, is going to get after you and San Francisco which has a ton of cap space a ton of draft equity um, and certainly and they've got a good, their defense was underrated. Oh yeah, I mean you've got Solomon Thomas, you've got Eric Armstead. I mean you've got all of those young, long, nasty players. So that's probably as good a reason to uh, to skip out of the NFC West. The North again, you got to deal with Baltimore defense, and not to mention Miles Garrett. Well, you'd be on Cleveland, so you have to deal with <laughs> Geno Atkins of the that that's those. That might make might make some sense there going to the Jets uh, or the or the Vikings because I think again, those are my two. Yes. I'm going. I'm going. Vikings would be a greater fit. All right. Jets would be. Kirk Cousins is uh, is only one man. There are a couple other quarterbacks to get into, which uh, is where we will make our next stop. And the shotgun Cousins takes a snap, looks over the middle, fires, caught by Crowder at the five, and he is in. Redskins touchdown. Beautiful pass by Cousins finding Crowder, and the Redskins take the lead. So Kirk Cousins will be throwing TD passes like that for either the Jets or the Vikings. We believe that to be true because Cynthia is always right. (laughs) That means uh, there are a host of other players that will likely find new homes and will be expected to be uh, the new quarterback for a new team. And we'll start with, I don't know if he's the second guy, if it's Case Keenum, whoever it may be, but, but I think we feel like Tyrod Taylor is, is definitely going to find a new address. Just by the way they structured that contract, all of the concerns surrounding him going into the season, the fact that he was benched, I think it was week five for Nate Peterman, which was odd. Um, but they do go to the playoffs. And Tyrod Taylor, you know, he's a 500 quarterback with Buffalo. Um, do you think he's going somewhere else, or do you think he's back with the Bills? Between the draft equity that they have, and they have back-to-back picks in the first round, 21 and 22, and the fact that he's owed a $6 million roster bonus on March 16th, that's two days after free agency begins, I believe that it is most likely that Tyrod Taylor will find a new home. Just based on, I believe, obviously I don't want to, you know. The signals say he will. Yeah. They have not signaled that that's it, someone they're interested in keeping around long term. It appears from the outside that if they cut him, they will save something like $10 million for their cap. So when you talk about the reconfiguration of what they would have to do, you know, we talked about that before with before we talked about Cousins, that could be one of the areas where they kind of reconfigure their, their money. So here's what I here's where I think the one thing I would just say to that, and and this is obviously something that every this 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 comes into play with coaches all the time. Okay, you're going to fire him. Who are you going to hire? You know, if you're going to to get rid of Tyrod Taylor, is Nate Peterman really going to be your quarterback? No, exactly. So does the 21 or 22 pick give you a quarterback for the? This was a team that made the playoffs. I mean, a defense that played well enough to make the postseason and to give Jacksonville a heck of a game if they had any semblance of offense. Um, and the way that game broke, remember, there were just some weird 
you could probably say two or three in the balance plays that could have tilted that game in their favor. Um, who are you going to go get? So let, let's just start with Tyrod and what he brings and where you right. could end up seeing him going. Well, there's two things that distinguish Tyrod and make him a kind of veteran that will get in my, you know, in my projection, he's going to get, and they're not even remotely the same player. So I'm not making a player comp, but I'm making a money comp. He's probably one of those like deals like we see for a Mike Glennon, a bridge player for a veteran presence to potentially bridge the way for a... See, I think Mike Glennon is like a mistake. Mike Glennon got $15 million. A, a mistake. Though. Mike, Mike Glennon's not, a mistake. Wait, 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 I, that's what I'm saying, though. It's not about the... It's not about... I'm just talking about money. I'm not talking about... You know what I mean? Like, you think a two-year, $30 million that's deal. Right. I think we do like a... It's To me, that's like the bridge number. You know what I mean? Like 15. Yeah, I guess I think more into like the... Josh McCown, kind of Nick Foles range, which was more eight to nine million bucks a year Dude, Nick, Nick than Foles, the fifteen six, to seven point six million. That's what I mean. Like, Four million in base out. He's averaging five point five right. a year. I don't think so. You know why? It's going to be more. It is well be because more. of competition. Because and, you've got so many teams that need a quarterback. You know how many turnovers ha- turnovers he's had? He doesn't three, turn the ball over. Twenty one. Yeah, it's that's the least. You know he's had like. But that's the knock on Tyrod is that he refuses to take chances. He will not push the ball down the field. It who allows is he going to throw to? I mean, Sammy Watkins was there. You know, was there. Robert Woods was right. there. I mean, it was he. He certainly had. You had Lashawn McCoy out of the back. I mean, I understand. But he's also averaging five point six rushing attempts per game and averaging over five. Look, yards I like Tyrod. I'm, yeah. I'm no, fine I'm, with Tyrod. Like, as my. I I, kinda, I'm more into Tyrod than Josh McCown or one of the right. Brian Hoyer or that right. kind of bridge quarterback. Brian I'm Hoyer, much yeah. more into Tyrod Taylor. I actually think he's an underrated passer too, in part because when I went back and watched every single pass, and yes, he's a sub five hundred attempt guy per year. He's not taking those chances on throwing. In my opinion, I mean, and when your tight end is your, you know, lead receiver for considerable part of the year, and you've got LaShawn McCoy, like, listen, there's there's a lot of things. In my, like, I, I stupidly, just for fun, um, decided to see, like, which team he would be most, he flagged for as the best fit, like, for him. Like, if I'm Tyrod's agent, like, where in my dream world, where would I put him? Actually flags really well for the type of offense they run in Tennessee, which is hilarious, but it makes a lot of sense when you Yeah, with Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota, and you have... legs, controlled passing, heavy on the run. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, and, like, that tight end dependency with Delaney Walker. not Anyway, so, long story short, that was the biggest fit for him, like, just if pie in the sky, any team you potentially wanted to go to. However, I think that Tyrod may end up in Cleveland. I mean, it makes sense. Because then you have... So let me let me tell you something about this draft equity. So there, there's this Jimmy Johnson trade card. We'll get into it before the draft. There's basically number one pick is worth 3,000 points. And then that drops precipitously after about the top five. So it's like number one's worth 3,000 made-up points, equity points. The second position's 2,600 made-up equity points. Drops down, drops down. So if you look to see what 21 is worth, it's worth 800 fake points. You're talking about the Bills picks. The Bills picks. 21's worth 800 and 22 is worth 780. That adds up to 1580 which if you let's say like you got full 1580 for that it's like somewhere between pick six and seven so in pick six is 1600 and that's the jets pick seven is worth 1500 fake points and that's the bucks so that's where he could leapfrog they could leapfrog up to the bills could the bills could if, if they, they wanted to draft a quarterback package if they wanted to rod he's your bridge guy yep. we're gonna get a rookie that you know it's not he, nate peterman we'll keep the guy around it's yep. a 10 million dollar cap hit that's not a lot for a quarterback at all and spend another year in buffalo and is what you're and saying you, exactly and if you want to get up to 1700 which would get you to number pick number five you throw in like a third rounder or something like that you know that that could sweeten the deal a little bit like that's that's the kind of dynamics that would have to happen ahead of 
I mean, I don't think that would be a draft day trade like we, you know, sometimes you see that, but that's kind of a big sure. one for a draft day trade because you got to find two trade partners. You know what I mean? Well, and you also have to have your player on the board. You have to not right. be jumped by other teams that are <laughs> right. going into, you know, if, if you think it's Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Josh yep. Allen. I mean, our team's just going to jump into or select at one, two, three, and four. And then you have zero chance of getting there likely with 21-22 unless you're giving up future ones, future twos, you know, like we saw the Rams have to do in order to go up because they were picking at 15, let alone 21 and 22. Right. Um, when they went up to get Jared Goff, I mean, it's multiple ones, multiple twos, multiple threes in order to jump from that far back in the draft to get all the way up to one of those top spots to get a quarterback. So that's all, look, that's all stuff. Like you said, it won't happen till draft day because the draft is fluid and you don't know who's going where and what the other offers are going to be. It's interesting though. If they, I saw a draft, a mock draft today that had, uh, mock drafts are stupid. I know that had Josh Rosen falling to the Dolphins. I was like, "What? That's not going to happen." But I was floored. It's not going to happen. Amazing. It, that, that They're eleven, by the way. One hundred percent won't happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to put a button on Tyrod Taylor, I think that Cleveland or even Arizona could be two places that are potential landing spots where they could use a veteran presence and then potentially also draft. Arizona makes a lot more sense. They've got a top five pick. You know, th- these are places where he could be very useful to them and get that sort of Mike Lennon, not Mike Lennon performance, but that kind of that kind of deal to help them bridge into the future. Arizona, not a top five pick. Arizona is somewhere. No, 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 no. Remember, they had a seven and nine season, so Arizona's oh. probably somewhere I thought, I in thought that they were... 11 to 20 range. No, that's Ugh. why I said a remarkable season considering all the injuries uh, that they had. Arizona, 15. Oh, 15. Well, that was yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And now the more I think about that offensive line, not a good offensive line. Not the no. uh, the Arizona offensive No, that's line. a scary one. So if you a if you have a rusher like, like Tyrod, though. Yeah. Right, good one. Got a guy who's got to get no turnovers. Run around. Any guys with anywhere near tur- many turnovers as him? I'll have like way more games. Anyways, all right. Who else on. are we talking about? Nick Foles. Nick Foles, okay. which Nick is Foles. interesting because you don't know if Carson Wentz going to be healthy enough. He's to start. not. Do they think Nate Let's... Sudfeld can start a couple games though? Does, has he shown Doug Peterson enough? There's a reason why he's on. That you talked roster. about packaging futures. I do think in order to get, even though Philadelphia right now looks like they're in the hole in terms of cap space, you know they're pre-finagling with all the cap space, and honestly. You know, I heard I heard Bill Polian say yesterday something like it'd have to be multiple ones and yeah, two. Thank you, Bill. It's not going to happen. As much as I respect Bill, he's all of famer. You know that that's not the offer they're getting. No. It would, it, you know, they would have to strongly consider a Sam Bradford type of offer. That's right. That's right. Um, but Wentz did have both the ACL and the LCL in December, so it is kind of foolish for us to think that the Eagles would be like, all right, look, it's four four million dollars is his base salary, seven point six is the caps hit, and five point five is his average. That is ridiculous. Like, if you look to see what happened when it mattered most, right? He went from three games in the, in the year of starters, seven total games played, 56 completion percentage, 5.3 yards per attempt. In the three games of the playoffs, including the Super Bowl, 9.2 yards per attempt average, six touchdowns, one interception, and almost 73%. I think it just goes he back to, it. you know, a, a, a term used earlier, opportunity cost. If you trade Nick Foles, what, what are you getting back? And, and how is that improving your team if Carson Wentz isn't ready to start week one and Nate Sudfeld is your starter? So is the, is the opportunity cost of that greater than holding on to Nick Foles, not having that draft pick? And it, it seems like it so overwhelmingly leans toward keeping Foles around. And um, they did, even if you get nothing for him, you know. They did develop three different backs, right? So look yeah. at their 
backfield for some maybe some equity, earning equity there. I wouldn't think they would do it at the quarterback position. No. Um, all right. So what about the Vikings and these three unrestricted free agents that sit there and whether or not one of them is coming back, none of them are coming back, and where they might end up? So I think that, well, first of all, we can kind of get Bridgewater off the table because I do believe his grievance will void his contract and he'll be able to enter the open market. I Un- think unrestricted free agency. I, do, I, I mean, look, I don't, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how these things are necessarily going to net out. But from the people I trust the most, I think there are a number of teams that are considering Teddy Bridgewater as a backup. You know, that's that's the role that... And I would imagine the Vikings are one of them. You know, I, I'm I sure would they'd too. love to bring him back on a, a cap-friendly number uh, mm-hmm. considering he's coming off such a serious injury. Right. All right. So... I was a little surprised that around the league, people I spoke to, it's like, you know, Kirk Cousins is the number one, and number two, it's like 1A. It's not even like, just, I mean, it's look, not Tyrod, it's Case Keenum. It's Case Keenum. And a 1A. And it's not even number two. It's not even, you know, like a distant second. It's like, this is one, and this is 1A. And I'm sure his agent likes hearing that. He can call me. I I can get on his payroll yeah. too. I you know right. I'm, I can money. be bought. I can be. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, the franchise tag number is 24 million. Should the Vikings choose to keep him? Now, if you think about that number, right? Like it puts some context into that. Before 2017, Case Keenum's career high for attempts was 322. That's just like crazy. Which makes the fact that his 67.6 completion percentage with you know like almost 200 more passes, like just even more impressive. Top 10 under pressure in the, in the league. Talk about security and lack of turnovers. That's exactly what he was you know what he demonstrated. And you know what's interesting is when you go back to see when a quarterback takes a sack. There's strategic times where it's better to take a sack, and there's you know obviously you don't typically want to because you lose the yards. If you look back, like and you kind of like look, you have to watch it with someone who knows what's better from a strategy standpoint. So when I watch it with a coach, you know he's like one of the very best, if not the best, in the league at like strategically taking a sack or not getting not taking a sack. So he he manages pressure even better than his numbers might suggest. The one thing that was really interesting to me was between 2013 and 2016, he on on outside the number passes so just the hardest ones for quarterbacks to perform right 7.9 yards per attempt and 43 percent completion percentage this past year 12 yards per attempt and a 57 percent completion like this is like insane yeah it speaks to you know situational well not situational football but circumstantial football Mm -hmm. and the circumstance that you are placed in dictating the terms of your success or failure and Mm -hmm. how often you know when you think about the situation that Jared Goff was drafted into versus the situation that Carson Wentz was drafted into surrounded by former quarterbacks offensive-minded coaches Doug Peterson Frank Reich John DeFilippo Whereas Jared Goff was drafted by Jeff Fisher, who had a, an offensive coordinator that had never done the job before, was dedicated to playing defense and just telling his quarterback, whatever you do, do not turn the ball over. And that was obvious in what case and and uh, Jared did, you know, compared to what they did this year with offensive-minded coaches. And, and I think that's probably the internal conversation and discussion that teams are going to have to figure out you know how much of this is the real case Keenum because he's never had a situation or an opportunity with Pat Shermer someone who's worked with quarterbacks repeatedly over the course of his career with great weapons um, and how much of this is really this guy's talented and he finally got an opportunity to show it in all honesty, it's both, right? Like there's chicken Usually, and there's egg. Yes. You have great re- when your you receivers are playing as well. So it, in in reality, it's both. The so Minnesota holds a lot of 
leverage in this quarterback free agency market because if they choose to throw in their chips towards Kirk Cousins they're not going to also get Case Keenum that's not how that that's not how that's going to work right so if Case Keenum doesn't end up in Minnesota which is presumably and most likely that Case Keenum will be a Minnesota Viking. That's what I'm guessing. That it's, you know, the, it's, the mo- it's the safest bet. Unless it's Kirk Cousins. Unless it's Kirk Cousins. It's but, hard to imagine the Vikings going in any other direction. But I've read a number of places and I've talked to a number of people who I very much trust that the Denver loves him rumor is true. You know, whether or not they love him enough to pay him, what you know, whatever. But, like, that, they do really love him. And I did look into a little bit, like, him and Damaris Thomas, which is be the, you know, the outside, the number passes, kind of what we talked about. And DT averaged lowest average um, per catch in his career last season, 11.4. His eight-year average is 13.8. Usually when he has, like, you know, obviously remember that even includes the Peyton Manning year that was real anomaly there. You know, he's, like, a 15 average guy sometimes 16, right? So like he has like year with 17. Like these are these are I think he, his I think his uh the streak was broken, right? 1200 yards and nine touchdowns. I think is what right. he had had the previous five yep. or six seasons and this was the first year it didn't happen and again it's a team that's getting older. It's an offensive line that is in flux. They tried to fix it with Garrett that's Bowles, nice and, and, and it was it's been a mess. Uh, I assume they're going to move off of C.J. Anderson. They think Devontae Booker is the guy moving forward. Um, they're still looking for a tight end. There's about ten of them on the roster. Maybe Butts the guy, and he's going to be healthy, and and that will emerge as a legitimate pass catching option. And again, you got to go up against Khalil Mack. Bosa and Ingram, mm-hmm. you know, and of course, whatever Andy Reid and the Chiefs are going to do, um, you know, with Houston and whomever they decide to put opposite him. So it's, man, that is just a nasty look uh, mm-hmm. if you can get. But again, the difference with Keenum is, will Minnesota pay you? Right. You know, if if you hit the unrestricted free agent market and Denver is desperate and they are willing to throw that kind of money at you, is Minnesota willing to match? So I get. I mean, honestly, Minnesota could be like the, as, you know, like the linchpin for all of it, the Jenga piece for all of it, at least for right now, as it stands in this right. In you this want to moment. credit someone with that Jenga piece thing? Check. There you go. Sorry, All right, let's get to this conversation you had with Beth Mowens. We have such a special treat today on the pod. I am joined by Beth Moans, who probably doesn't need any sort of introduction because you have heard her voice if you've watched anything football basketball, softball, or really anything sports-related in like the past, I'm not going to say how many years, but in the a past few, few years. A few. The past yes. few years. And obviously you're the first woman to call a regular season NFL game since I believe it's 1987. Mm-hmm. And that was Monday Night Game on ESPN for Chargers and Broncos. And you called CBS NFL games all year long. Yes. yes. It's, it's kind of a, it's a hybrid of Reba McIntyre and Taya Leone somewhere it's the, That's the, the best just, thing I've ever just heard. Just the right blend of that. I stole that from somebody else. Said I'm going to keep that one. <laughs> the Reba stuff is like kind of you. Kind of even look like it's, her. It, you have like a little Reba, not uh, red yeah, hair. Yeah, everywhere I go, you know, you know how in the back of stadiums or in the bowels of stadiums, they usually have pictures of all the stars that have played there. Yeah, there's almost always a Reba, and I usually will stand there and take a shot next to Reba. And I mean, you should get in on this sister, KFC stuff. I need to with, do that. You do. You need to like monetize that for sure. We need to talk about that. We're going to build your brand here <laughs> I today. I didn't realize Mons. there was some sort of different hot chicken in the state of Tennessee. Did you know that? What? There's that, different. That's like yeah. We're going to Tennessee. Nashville I need hot different hot chicken. Ariba's is like a Smoky Mountain something. Okay. Well, anyways. I mean, if it were yours, yours would be like what? You got to do like Buffalo, right? It, Syracuse, yes, Buffalo yeah. area. Upstate New York. Love the U. 
the you of course the other I think you. every obviously we we worked together at ESPN but we didn't cross mm-hmm. paths when we were there because I was kind of in the newbie section and you were in the well established yes. like absolutely amazing section never so. never go to town section yeah. <laughs> well smart that's called the really smart <laughs> section because it's very cold there um, I'm just curious when you're prepping for games NFL games this season so obviously on this podcast we're a little different because we try to like take the lens of analytics so I'm curious are there any sort of like when you're doing the stats pack and ESPN gives a great stats and research pack but apart from that are, is there anything like you're looking at in order to prepare where are you on that stuff I, I love I, I call it foraging you know all week long you're kind of foraging for information and there's so much stuff out there now that yeah I sort of pride myself on seeing if I can find something that I hadn't heard before or something that's really unique. So we'll get you this um, pod so you can have that. And absolutely. You can borrow it. And and I love the I love the percentages. You know, sometimes raw numbers are good. Uh, if you're you know a quarterback is 16 for 22, well that's all and nice. But if it's if it's a percentage that's above 65 or 70 percent, I think that hammers home a lot more so I I love trying to take the numbers or the you know a lot of times an analyst will come in with Mm -hmm. I've got this great statistic or this great thing that doesn't translate in English if you will oh I I know a little something about how do we tell that numeric story in the most understandable way and and I, I love doing stuff like that and kind of like a style point how do you do that in game I mean, when you're so quickly just referencing all of these things that you've yeah. been reading, you know, prior to the game starting and then the game finally happens and yeah. then it's happening real time. And then you're noticing like, oh, well, we thought they were going to blitz a ton, but we there's been no yeah. blitzing. <laughs> like, you know. so, sometimes uh, the, the best times are when you have it in your head and as it happens, you remember it, you know, a little light bulb goes on. Other times, though, you know, I, I have an enormous cheat sheet in front of me. I, I tend to write down almost too much information, but it's there if I need it. And so the challenge kind of is when it happens and I'm watching it, if I don't have it at the tip of my tongue, all right, I need to find it in all this and then utilize it that way. So, okay, so we're going to be we're going to be transparent on this pod. We are actually recording this ahead of the Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. you're going to listen to it after. And this music you're hearing is because we're sitting at the NFL it's house outstanding. and it, yeah. we're pretty much having a party at like. I don't know, it's maybe noon, but <laughs> this, is, this is how we roll here in the Super Bowl. But I'm curious, if you were prepping for this game, how might you approach it? Obviously, Patriots been here a bunch before. And yeah. then you have the Eagles, a first time for the head coach, Nick Foles, probably not who we expected. Yeah. How, what would you be looking for like in preparation? I'm gonna my, The first thing I'll do is I'll get my blank game board and just start filling in names and numbers on the two deep. And then I I always say you can learn so much about a team by grabbing a roster and a stat sheet um, and looking at, okay, you know, who, who are the, who's the top runner? Who's the top receiver? Does this team throw a lot more than they, than they run? Um, Is this an experienced offensive line? If you, you know, for example, if you didn't know anything about the team, um, how deep do they go? Uh, You know, and, and that's kind of how I would, start just filling in statistics and look for any kind of streaks. You know, this guy's got a sack in 10 straight games, things like that. And then I would start collecting stories, background information, um, you know, probably look around and see what are the other key storylines that people are talking about. Go to the local paper. What are they talking about in the local market? Because that would probably be our viewership for the most part. And then once we get together on the phone with our analyst, what's important to that analyst? And I may just jot down, okay, on an index card, here are the most important five things that we definitely want to talk about. 
And here is probably what we're going to use in our open. So let's make sure we have so information on that. Understand. No, but at the open is really the only thing that's planned, or at least yes. somewhat planned. Yes. The rest of it yeah. is just all you and your brain yeah. and how amazing. You just know all of it. Mm-hmm. It's in, it's incredible, and I love referencing it. And obviously, I'm also cheating on money today because he does this for the Chargers. <laughs> but I don't know how you do it with so many different teams. I have a lot of respect for that. I really like that. that. That's the challenge, and that's, I, I guess, you know, you kind of take pride in what you do, and you, you, you're – we're all competitive people, so we, we want to do the best that we can and, and make sure we nail it. And um, o- over the years, you try and come up with different tricks and, you know, to trick your mind into, okay, I just did that basketball game. Let's put that away, and now let's get ready for this football game. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, I was listening to a panel. We're at a summit here at the, at the Super Bowl, and um, I believe your quote was, and I'm, I'm, I might get this a little wrong, but I believe on your panel you said, and I quote, don't let statistics get in the way of a good story, end quote. <laughs> Uh-oh, am I in trouble? <laughs> no. Am I? <laughs> no. no just... Always round up unless <laughs> rounding down suits your story better. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm curious about, have you seen the acceptance of statistics, analytics, kind of contextualized data? Like, do people talk about it more on broadcast? Because yes. I certainly hear it more. Yes. Obviously, I'm biased, but I'm curious your experience in that. Since you've been doing it for like, you know, five or six years. I, I think seven. we're starting to drop in more and more references. I think in baseball, obviously, yes. is way ahead of the curve because you have so much more fill time to talk about all the latest metrics. It's it's becoming much more pronounced in basketball because it's no longer just the RPI. Now we've got these different quadrants and home versus road and all that kind of good she stuff. Said quadrants. I, I did love say, her. I did say quadrants. Perfect. <laughs> I was terrible at math too. I apologize. Oh, but stop it. No. I, I hit it behind my big words in English. Um, and so now in football, I have come to embrace um, – I would say maybe one a quarter you're allowed to get in there. And and the beauty is with the statistics, here's what you think should happen. But the story can be about the fact that it is playing out that way or it is not playing out that way. Yes, exactly. So that's the beauty of when I when I say don't let statistics get in the way of a good story. It's more (laughs) it's. It's more of a slam on the story than the statistics. No, Let no, me be no. clear just, on that. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. And then one more quote that I would like you to expand on a little oh, bit. Okay. You also said Certainly. you need to be a little Jimmy Chitwood and a little Jimmy Chew. Yes. And obviously, I mean, first of all, no one can see your shoes right now, but we're going to talk about them later. Spectacular camo. Yeah, there's some great camo. Yes. Like camo heels. She is rocking it. So oh, we'll those. take a picture of it. Um, I'm curious if you could expand on that quote just a little bit for some of our listeners. So Jimmy Chitwood, of course, the star of Hoosiers. And the beauty of Jimmy was he was sort of the quiet, hardworking type. It's not about me. It's about the team. Um, I, I grew up, uh, I like to say my parents raised a point guard. My dad was a coach. So it was, don't talk about how good you are. Let, uh, let's show you how good we can be. And, and that was Jimmy. And then Jimmy, of course, wanted the ball at the end of the game. And in our business, you got to want the ball. you got to want to take that shot and all the responsibility that comes with it, for better or worse. And then Jimmy Choo, we also have to look the part as women in this business. You want, I, I think a lot of confidence comes from when you, um, you're in the best shape. You're, you're, you know your cowlick right here in the middle of your head is actually somewhat tame. Uh, unfortunately, today, not so much. But, um, and you have to have good shoes because we're on our feet a lot. Yeah. The next level, if you will, if you wanted to go 
even further into this statistic, you also want to be a little Jackie Robinson and a little Jackie Kennedy. Ooh. Be If you're going to be a trailblazer, do so with dignity and with class, like Jackie Robinson did, and handle the tough times like Jackie Kennedy had to with a lot of style and a lot of grace. And that's kind of how I want to travel so travel this and path. Our, and our, our, our Jimmys and Jackies. We got our Jimmys yes. and our Jackies. Yes. Okay, so I'm only one them. chick though. I need to get a few more broads into these references, if you will. How about our Beths? We got to, we got to figure out some two Beths to make yes. to work into this. All right, I'm going to I'm going to work with Cynthia. So we're no, it's <laughs> not. Maybe that can be my trailblazing moment. This, we could we Cindy's. could go derivatives too. I Perfect. mean, I, I may be, have better luck with Elizabeth. You may have better luck with like a Cindy, in the same name team. I don't know about the Cindy. That's like Cindy Brady. That just oh, goes yeah. weird Cindy places Lou for who? people. Yeah, Lou who? It's just it's not it's not great for me. I'm curious if you have any advice for me since we're kind of in the space of kind of trying to bring analytics and bring life to something that Mm -hmm. can give like my goal is to make some people who are having a drink watching a game be like hey she said the tight end was going to be used a lot in this game and be really important especially on third down and that's what's happening or or she said that I wonder why it's not you know we're trying to kind of bring life to something that not everybody loves math like me. Yeah. Just it's a news flash. It's actually been it's been very painful to learn that. But um, so I'm curious if you have any advice for me, kind of in that space as it's growing and evolving. I, I think the what we're constantly in a tug of war with, uh, with anything graphically, is we want to get all of it out there all at once, right? Oh, I always want to get it all out at and, once. And if you're watching television, yes. the best graphic, or when you're standing at at the touch screen, the best thing is your best stat w- one at a time uh, let it stand did alone did my producer get in your ear just now no is okay. that is that yeah they always that's all i hear bring your best just stuff. one give me yeah. one bring Cindy, your best just stuff. one okay okay <laughs> and then um and then put it in put a little english on it and make it e- as easy as you can for people to understand why you love it so much don't don't make sure they see your passion and your heart, Cynthia, behind that number. Humanize I it. it. I love it. Yeah. I don't know if we can do better than that to end this. Thank you. <laughs> that was so much fun. I really appreciate you taking your time Thank out of your you. crazy busy schedule. I love listening to you. I actually feel like we've been friends for years because <laughs> I've watched so many things that you've been on the broadcast for. So, like, being I with you appreciate you amazing. And Thank I won't so tell much. you that. I'm, I'm just going to go home and, and put my feet up maybe and enjoy a glass of wine for the for the rest of the afternoon. It, well, it is after 12 now, so it's it going to be fine. It is. Beer 30 is already going here. Beer 30. Wait, what time does this air? Is this a morning podcast or a all People day? People listen to pods whenever they want. <laughs> they can have a glass of wine, too. <laughs> and I'm sorry, money. I apologize. <laughs> but it has been fun. Thank you. Thank you very much. Fantastic, as all of your conversations are, Cynthia. Uh, Beth, again, one of the hardest-working play-by-play voices in all of sports. Does not take any days off. It is remarkable when you look through um, some of the people that do that job, how many days they work when you factor in travel. I mean, you are talking about out of 365, like 300 days of work. Um, getting from place to place, sport to sport, you never have an off season. I remember talking to Mike Tirico at the Big Ten tournament last year, and it was right before he made the move to NBC. 
and he was talking about working about 295 days a year is what he said. It was anywhere from 280 to 320 every – I think he said that's what he had counted in 2016. And you know what the, the coolest part about both of those people are is that they still have time. I mean, I was lucky to work with both of them. They still have time to give you some notes and listen to it. If sure. You're like, Can you please listen to 15 minutes of this? And they'll give you some, like, really great feedback and help you out. Both of them, super generous with their time. And, listen, it's always fun to talk to Beth Moans at a really loud bar. Um, which sure. It was a really loud bar, and it was like 11 a.m. Awesome. That's what that's what you do in Minnesota. You had to keep warm. It's atmosphere. That's what it brought. <laughs> all right. A big thank you to all of you folks who have downloaded, who have uh, listened, who have subscribed. Everything you do, we certainly appreciate it. If you could leave a rating, we certainly appreciate that it. it helps us grow on the iTunes. We'll be back again next week, as a matter of fact. Next Thursday, we're going to knock out a podcast live from Indianapolis as we prep you for the combine and statistically slash analytically speaking what you ought to be looking for as all of these position groups make their way through drills Friday through Monday. So thank you for downloading, listening, streaming, all of those things. And uh, we'll be back again next week. And if you're at MIT this weekend at Sloan. You're going to Sloan. My presentation's on Friday at noon. And you can come hang out with me. I'm happy to, like, answer some questions. Give it to him again. Anyone. Friday. Friday at noon. noon. It's at the Sloan Analytics Conference. I don't know which conference. So that's what, Sorry. February 22nd? It is. February 22nd at MIT, Sloan, you're giving a lecture. I am. You're hanging out. I am. Can you stream it? Is there anywhere to go? I'm sure you can. I'll okay. put it on my Twitter, but, you know, we, we have some good stuff on it. See, I'm a horrible partner. Didn't plug it. <laughs> All right, we'll be back again next week. <laughs> <laughs>